All right. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Good to see everybody. How's the weekend been? Good? Awesome. All right. Hey, uh, I want to encourage you to pull out your message notes. And this week, we are launching our community groups this week. So today, I thought this is, since I've been freestyling, doing different messages in the month of August, I thought this is a great opportunity to talk about the importance of groups. So pull out your message notes. We're going to be talking about the concept of community. You know, one of our core values is community groups. So Sunday morning, we, we come, we gather, we worship, we, we connect to one another, we grow in our faith, we grow in our walk with Jesus. But a huge part of the Christian life the Christian experience is, is more than just this, this vertical experience with God. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Bible is very clear about don't forsake, like, the gathering, the assembling of yourselves together, right? So when people say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church, that is foreign, completely foreign to the New Testament. Like, if you love Jesus, you're going to love the church. Can I get an amen? Like, how can you love Jesus but not love his bride? That's like someone saying, hey, I love you, Pastor Elijah, but I don't like your wife. Well, guess what? We're no longer friends. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, if you want to like me, you want to be friends with me, you're going to be friends with my, with my wife, my bride, right? So if you love Jesus, you're going to love the church. Jesus loved the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. So when, we, when I challenge you, you know, we were called to challenge one another. When I challenge you to take commitments, to take steps, I'm really challenging you to do what the Lord wants you to do in your life. And so God wants us to be in community. He wants us to be connected. He wants us to be, you know, dependent upon one another, walking this, this faith journey together, not, not being isolated, not being on our own island, not doing our own thing. We need each other. This is so countercultural. Our culture is all about you don't need no one. You just live life on your own. Get what you can get, right? I mean, go after it. Be independent. Be self-reliant. But the Bible is the opposite. Isn't that the case? It's always the case with Jesus. He is always countercultural. Culture says one thing, gospel says something different. Culture says this, Jesus says no, it's this, this is the true life. This is the life that I want you to live. So we're going to talk about um, community uh, this morning. One of our big things, one of my mottos, I've always said it, is we want to move people from rows to circles. So rows is Sunday morning. We gather, we sing, we listen to God's word. But we want you to be in a circle during the week. And that is more of a smaller church setting, smaller church feel, and that's more of an intimate feel, right? So we try to have community groups like, you know, max 16. And so um, my group's a little bit bigger than that. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what are we going to do here, right? We've got to start another group. Um, but we want that small, intimate feel, right? We want people to connect horizontally to one another. You know, we bought into this myth that says the key to happiness is independence. If I'm just independent, 
right, then, then I'm going to discover and I'm going to be happy in life. But God says the key to happiness is not independence but interdependence. Romans chapter 12 verse 5 says, So we, though many, <clears throat> are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. God wired you to go through life not as, you know, some not as just an individual, but he wired you to go through life in community. God says community is not optional. You know, it's, it's like the person that says, you know, I want to play basketball, but I don't want to be on a, on a basketball team. I want to play football, but I don't want to be on a part of a team. Well, you know, if, if you want to play the sport, you got to be a part of the team. God says, listen, to be a part of my family, it's not optional. You have to embrace community. You, you may feel like, well, I'm very self-sufficient. I, I don't need other people in my life. But the truth is you absolutely need people in your life. If you're going to be all that God wants you to be, you cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. There's no way you could be all God wants you to be. Do all that God wants you to do. Fulfill the purpose that, that you were put on this planet to fulfill all by yourself. You have to do it in a relationship to other people. So we need each other. We, we belong to each other in the body of Christ. Community is like, you know, uh, like a piece of Lego. You know, each little Lego piece has a little, little peg sticking up, right? Like um, you never see, uh, rarely, rarely do you see a piece of a Lego that's just like one little peg, right? Normally there's multiple pegs. So God's design for your life, for my life, for, for the body, is that we're going to be Lego pieces. We're going to be connected to one another. Um, so let me give you five reasons why we need each other. Uh, why we need not just a, the larger, broader community, but why we need community in like a, a community group. So here's point number one. I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk with me. What does that mean? Well, that means I need you to help me grow spiritually. Now, you might say, well, I don't need other people to help me spiritually. I don't need to be in a group, right? Here's the deal. You need to be in a group. Like, I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm in a group. I'm leading a group. I'm in a group. Like, I'm in a D group. I'm in a community group. Like, because those things are important, Right? Um, those things are good for my spiritual growth. Those things are good for my soul. Those things are good for me to connect with other people, get to know them, they get to know me. Colossians 2.6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So this is the mission of Summit Point Church, helping people find Jesus, Colossians 2.6, as you receive Christ, have you received him? Have you received Christ? That, that's, that's the gospel, right? The gospel is that we would receive Christ. See, a lot of people think we got, we got to do. I got to do something. I got to give. I got to work. I got to perform. No, 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 no. No, no. You receive Christ as the greatest treasure of all. You receive him by faith. This is the gospel message. You, you, you're not on a treadmill trying to, you know, somehow earn God's forgiveness and come into his graces and earn his love. No, no, no. God says, listen, receive me. Receive me by faith. 
the faith, the trust, the, 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 the humility of a child. Receive the kingdom like a child. That is simple obedience, simple trust. And so that's part of our mission statement, receive Christ. But then it says, so walk in him. See, a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to receive Christ, and then boom, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Like, I, I received Christ when I was six years old, but they're not walking with God. They don't want to walk with God, but they point to that, 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 that little moment in their life. Well, I, I received Christ. I prayed that prayer, right? I, I did that thing. Listen, it's, it's more than just receiving Christ. Understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying works-based salvation. What I'm saying is, if you're genuinely a follower of Christ, you're going to have a desire, as Paul is telling the church at uh, Colossae, you're going to walk in him. This is, a, this is a daily walk. So our mission is helping people find Christ, receive Christ, and then helping um, people follow Christ. That is walking with the Lord. Now, did you know that the Bible often compares life to a walk? Why is that? Why is that? Because I think for many reasons. Number one, you're on a journey, right? No one is just sitting still in life. I mean, there's movement, there's change, there's, there's, there's lots of stuff going on. You don't just sit still in life. You're not where you used to be. You're not where you're going to be. Write this down. I was never meant to walk through life alone. You were never meant to walk through life alone. Now, some of you might be saying, well, well what's wrong with walking alone? Right? I like walking alone. In fact, I prefer walking alone. Right? I can, I can go at my own pace. I can walk on my, own, on my own speed, right? I don't have to wait for anybody. Well, you may not like it, but you need others to walk with you. And here's the reality. Haven't you noticed, we're going to talk about this in a sec, but I'm just going to jump there real quick. Haven't you noticed that in marriage, God has a funny sense of humor, does he not? God... <laughs> God has a funny sense of humor. He'll put two people that are radically different, and he's going to put them together and say, okay, make it work. Have fun, right? I mean, God's more gracious and good and kind than that. But, um, but I just find it interesting the differences that people have, right, in all aspects of life, like pace, right, walking, running, like different pace. We'll come back to it. But anyways, three reasons why you need others to walk with you. Number one, it's safer. It's safer. Walking through life with other people in your life is safer. It's less risky. Um, you know, my kids, they're not a fan of taking out the trash at nighttime because it's risky. Like, like we have this very small bobcat that um, our ring camera catches every, uh, practically almost every night at the same time. Like, like 9.35 at nighttime, right? And it, Okay, not every night. Okay, let me just be honest. Like, uh, most nights, okay? And so once I found out that this bobcat was showing up at that specific time consistently, that, that's when it was time to take out trash. I told my kids, right? <laughs> time to take out trash, kids. All right, who's up for the night? And Luke, you know, he hates taking out the trash at nighttime, right? Because it's dark. You ever walk down a, a dark country road? In, like at nighttime, no lights, and you're all alone. I mean, it's kind of scary, right? You ever been alone in a, in a, in a dark home, and you're, it's like silent. 
The silence is eerie. I'm telling you, you want to walk with other people because it's safer. Number two, it's supportive. What I mean by that is it keeps you from giving up. It keeps you from giving up. Uh, When you're walking with other people, you get the energy to keep on going that you wouldn't have because someone else is doing it with you. Now, maybe you don't want to give up because you don't want to be embarrassed or, you know, whatever, right? But there's motivation, built-in motivation. We got any runners in the room? Any runners in the room? Okay, there's a few of you. All right, all right. Any marathon runners in the room? Any marathon? It was so interesting. One of our last newcomer mixers, not, not going to mention anybody by name. So if the story's about you because you're here in the service, I'm not going to call you out. All right, let me tell you who, who I'm talking about. All right. No, at the last newcomer mixer, we're like hanging out in the living room, hey, getting to know each other, hey, you know, what do you do, what do you like? Yeah. One guy's like, oh, you know, like I, I run, I run marathons, and he's breaking it all down. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, dang, dude, you're like beast mode, dude. And then the guy right next to him literally find out he's like a marathon runner too. And so then they start having this full-on conversation about running and marathons. And, I mean, they're talking, I mean, like a whole bunch of stuff. I was like, I was like, wow, okay, like, you guys know, like, names of people and stuff. Like, you guys are like, it's like legit, right? So you ever been running and you start getting that pain in the side, right? We've all been there, right? How many of you, you get that pain, you're like, I'm done, I quit, it's over, it's, it's over, right? How many of you are like, you know what? Persevere, endure, grind, grind, grind. You know, pain is weakness leaving the body, right? Um, I'm, I'm like normally like half a mile in, I start getting the pain, I'm done. I'm just, it's over, right? Um, you know, and it's real easy to be like, I can't go on. Not going to be able to do this. I, I just want to give up. But if you have other people walking, running, doing the exercise with you, then you're going to keep on going. There's an old Zambian proverb that says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. That is so, that is a golden nugget for the Christian life. God wants us to pursue him and to keep pursuing him and to keep pursuing him. This is a lifelong pursuit. This is a daily pursuit. And, and I've, oft, I've often said, like, life is harsh. Life is brutal. Life is not easy, right? But, but, and then that's why there's this, this groaning, this longing, right, for, for redemption, for eternal redemption, our home in heaven, to be with Christ someday. Um, but the Christian life is, is meant to be lived together. It is not a 50-yard dash. See, so, so a lot of people, they treat it like a 50-yard dash, right? They're, they just, they go hard and they burn out. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, like, I, I want to I I burn out at the end. I want to wear out, right? But the Christian life is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And you have to pace yourself. And how do you finish well? You run with others, right? You do it together. We're better together. It's safer. It's supportive. And last of all, it's smarter. It's just smarter to go through life with, with deep friendships, You know, one of the things that Paul, it's such a beautiful, I don't have the verse on your notes or PowerPoint, but there's a verse that Paul, um, I think it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 maybe, he talks about how he shared his life with those believers. He didn't just share the word. 
He shared his life with them. And I think that's a good word for us this morning. Are, are we sharing our lives with one another? Right? Are we being intentional about moving beyond just the Sunday morning vertical experience? Are we intentional about being in a group? Are we inviting people over for dinner? Are we connecting with our oikos? Are we, are we building deep, lasting friendships? Proverbs 28, 26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. The Bible tells us that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. You know, I said earlier about walking and everyone has a different pace. Have you ever noticed that, you know, everyone walks at a different pace? Some, some people, they walk slow. Other people, they walk fast, right? Um, sometimes there's a, there's a necessity to uh, maybe walk slow, trying to be careful, um, what's interesting is on the south side of the Temple Mount, the, the steps leading up into the temple in, 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 in Jerusalem, all the steps, they're not exactly the same. So they're all like different. And the whole point of that is to come into the presence of God being very intentional, watching your steps, being focused, paying attention, and I think that's a good word for us. Sometimes in life, you gotta walk fast. You just gotta move, right? Um, when my, my family, we used to go to Disneyland back in the day when our kids were little. By the way, if, if you don't believe that Disneyland is the greatest place on earth, like, something's wrong with you. I'm just telling you right now, okay? So I know, I know it's like, all, all, why is it quiet? Disneyland's great, man. I love Disneyland. Uh, there's a lot of great, you could do a lot of great people watching at Disneyland, by the way. But one thing at Disneyland is kind of our, just how our family's structured, we would just, I mean, we didn't mess around, dude. Like we were just, we were on it. Fast, fast, move, 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 move. Ride as many rides, beat the crowds, especially at the end of the day, man, I was ready to roll. Like it was like, let's go. And it's like, we got to beat the crowds to the tram because we got to get on the tram to get to our car so we can go home. And my family always said, yeah, it's called the Disneyland dad walk, right? Because it was super fast. And so sometimes, hey, you just, you just got to move. You got to move quick, right? Everyone is walking at different speeds, different strokes for different folks. We have to learn to be understanding, to walk together, not walk alone. Here's a fill in the blank. Community is God's answer to loneliness. This is a, this is a real issue. Loneliness, depression, these, these are serious issues. And, and, and I, I think God has designed relationships and community to combat that. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So that's the very first thing that God said after he created Adam. He looked at this perfect environment, the Garden of Eden, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, the context, obviously, is, is marriage, right? So marriage is about companionship and partnership, so that you're not alone. God hates loneliness. So what's the antidote? He created two things. He created the physical family, which you were born into, which someday you're going to be separated from, possibly. But then he created the spiritual family. He created God's family. And, and, and a part of God's family, we are a part of God's family by faith in Christ. We are adopted into his family. Did you know that your spiritual family is going to outlast your physical family? Sometimes people don't think about that. 
But so, because people say, oh, you know, you know, blood's thick, you know, like uh, totally. Family, family's huge, right? Um, what's sweeter is if your family knows Christ, then you'll be with them for eternity. But the spiritual family, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to be together forever. God says, I want you to be connected in my family. I want you to be connected in the church. You know, some, sometimes people, they want to kind of jump around and church hop. and Okay, I'm going to go to this church because this program. I'm going to go to this church because this speaker or whatever, right? So they're, they're kind of bouncing around between churches. But they don't make one single church their church home. And I think if you have that mindset... Those people who have that mindset, they're missing out on so much. There's so much that you're missing out on. Because if you're, if you're connected to multiple churches, you're not going to build those, those deep, lasting friendships. There's not going to be a sense of ownership. You're not going to have a desire to really serve and get your hands dirty and, and, and meet people's needs and be a blessing to other people. Right? So, so, so God, he, he, he designed it this way so that we would be in community, that we would be connected to one another. The, the Bible says, as I'm walking through life, I need other people to grow. I can't grow without others in my life because life is about relationships. You know, God is love. And God tells us that I want you to love me and I want you to love other people. That's Relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, God has built us, wired us for those two grand things, those two great things, to pursue him and to love other people, the great commandment and the great commission. I think a healthy church places focus on two things. The large worship setting, we're going to gather, we're going to worship, but then there has to be this small church feel, right, because you're not going to be able to get to know everybody, right? It's like, a, it's like a Lego. You only have so many pegs that you can be connected to. I actually came across a stat years ago that said at best, at best, you have anywhere between 50 to 60 relationships, like genuine relationships with people. I'm not talking about like your Facebook account that has 1,000 friends, Right? Most of those people, they're not your friends. Right? Let's just be honest, right? Those are like you met them one time or it's a cousin of a cousin. or what, I, you know. I'm talking genuine relationships. They know you, you know them. You talk to them maybe you know, occasionally. So God wants us to be a part of a, a small uh, community group, right? Worship service and then participating in the groups. You see this in the early church, Acts 2.46. And day by day... Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Notice the two things. Temple, so like there's corporate worship there, right? And then homes. So this concept of large setting, small setting, we get it from the Bible, right? So like it's important to gather corporately but then connect in a very intimate setting, right? To, to, to be in a home or to meet at a Starbucks or to meet the church and just gather for fellowship and, and gather to grow in, in, our, in our walk with God. I want you to write this down. You can't learn community without being in community. 
You cannot learn community without being in community. This is why we're challenging everyone to join a group this week. Every person, and I want you to, you know, today's a little bit more topical um, in nature, but I, I felt like it was really good. Let's, let's talk about this. Every person with a pulse, so grab your pulse. If you don't feel your pulse, maybe you're dying. You need to come to know Jesus if you don't know him. But every person with a pulse has a longing for belonging. I have never met a person who didn't feel that way. So, oh, some people will say, oh, I'm an introvert. No, I really don't want to be around people. Okay, I think that's, that's valid to some degree. But I think deep down inside, we were built. We, we have this longing, this desire to belong, to be accepted, to be a part of something bigger than ourself. Uh, you know, we're, we're made for relationships. See, God's wired us this way. This is why people will join all kinds of stupid causes because they just want to belong. They just want to be a part of something, right? So here at Summit Point Church, we want people to do two things. We want them to believe and we want them to belong. So believe, that's the gospel. That's the gospel message, to embrace, to believe, to receive Christ, and then to belong. That is membership. That is community. That is spiritual growth. Opening yourself up to other people, allowing other people to get to know you. That's so important. Or you could say it this way. Jot this down. Community is God's answer to the longing for belonging. Community, that's the answer, right? Are you longing for belonging? Are you facing some things in your life right now that you're like, I, I don't really know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I need wisdom. I need guidance. I need help. Listen. The help, the guidance, the wisdom that you can find, is, is, it can be found in a community group. It can be found as you're rubbing shoulders with people. You're doing life. You're opening up like, hey, I'm going through this. Oh, well, guess what? I'm going through it too. And so you're working through that together as believers. And as you're pursuing Christ and, and you're growing in the word and you're allowing people to shape you and, and to speak into your life, those things are healthy. Um, on our next steps table we have a promo piece of all of our groups. So if you're like, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna give it a try. Like you can visit multiple groups, but you don't have to like, you're not committing your life away, okay? So we have lots of groups. The groups are based on stage of life. So really they're based on like no kids or kids. So we have a group, young adults, no kids, right? Once you have kids, you're kicked out of the group. No longer are you a young adult, like move on, right? Now you, got it. now you graduate to a community group of young families, young kids, right? We have a group for teenagers. We have groups with their kids are grown. Their kids are raised. So this is the beautiful thing about community groups. You are going to be connected to people that are living and doing what you're living and doing. Like the struggles you're facing, they're facing. You got toddlers? Well, guess what? The group, they got toddlers. You know, elementary kids, they got elementary kids. So you could swap stories. You can encourage each other. You pray for each other. Those are good things. You can go online and check out all of our groups and find a group that's a good fit for you. Now, you might say, Pastor Elijah, why do you talk about groups so much? Because groups are so vital for spiritual transformation. You cannot do it alone. If you think you can do it alone, you think you're better than God. 
Because guess what? God is Trinitarian. Three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, yet one. Which, every time I think about it, just blows my mind. Like, how can that be, right? Uh, One in essence, one in purpose, right? Co-equal, you know, uh, equal in power, but they're distinct persons. And so the, the beauty of, of community is it's, it's, God is modeling what that looks like. God is modeling community. He's modeling what, what, what it means to, to be connected uh, to other people. Here's, boy, I got to hurry. Here's point number two. Wow, I got to hurry. Um, point number two, I also need others to work with me. Are you guys ready? Jot this down, work with me. Number two, number three, jot this down. Number four, number five, okay. Here we go. I might, I might actually have to do that in a sec. Okay, I also need others to work with me. Okay, good. The lyrics, PowerPoint person is not going crazy on me. All right. Um, the Bible says God put you on earth to do a certain work that only you can do. So Ephesians 2.10, check this out. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is not talking about you're saved by good works. You're created for good works, right? So... Uh, the root of our salvation is faith in Christ. The fruit of our salvation is good works, right? The fruit is the proof, the evidence. Like, like if you want to know if someone's like genuine, like they're, they're living it out. I mean, this is what Jesus talked about with the tree, right? You know, a good tree bears good fruit, bad tree bears bad fruit. Okay, anyways. So he's saying, create in Christ Jesus for good works. Now just stop and think about that just for a quick second. You are his workmanship. You know what that is? Ownership. It's ownership. Number two, you're created for good works. That's purpose, right? Like God, God knew everything about you before you were ever born, when you were born. He knew all, everything about you, your future, your life, your purpose, everything. You're not a robot, but God has prepared these things for you to do. So we need to be walking with God, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's the word walk again. So it's Christian, it's, it's about walking with God, right? Now, before you were ever born, I want you to think about this. God decided, oh, sorry about that. Woo! I don't think I ever burped in a sermon. Um, God, that smoothie that I downed before the message, it just kind of came out there. Good thing it just didn't start gushing out, right? That'd be really bad. Before you were ever born, God decided, check this out. He decided your talents, your natural abilities, and your skill sets. Before you were ever born, God decided that. And he he gifted you with these things, right? Why? Because he has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you. Um, He wants you to use your gifts to help and bless other people, right? You know, life on earth is practice for eternity. You know, at best, at best, you might get 80, 90. If you're lucky, you'll make it on the jam jar on the Today Show, right? Turn 100 years old, they made it on the jam jar, right? If you're lucky. But the moment we take our last breath, if you're in Christ, you will be in heaven for eternity. It's eternal. I was talking about my talking to my boys the other day about this. I was like, guys, you know, I was telling them I I I, I think more about death than I than I ever have. 
over the last few years. I don't know why that is. When I was a teenager, I never thought about death. I think when you're a teenager, you, you know, your frontal lobe is not fully developed, right? So you're, you're not really thinking consequences. You're not thinking like, well, if I do this, I could kill myself, right? Like you're just living life one day at a time. But as you get older, you start thinking about eternity. And I'm banking everything on what Jesus said. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And if you know Christ, you'll be with him for eternity. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It never ends. There's, there's, never, there's no stop to it. In heaven, you're, we're going to do a lot of things. But one of the things we're going to do in heaven is we're going to serve God. You know, we're not going to be floating on clouds like those chubby-winged babies with harps on the Hallmark cards. Like, no, like, it's heaven on earth. Like, my dad's going to preach on heaven next Sunday. He's going to wrap up the prophecy conference, and he's going to talk about the new heavens and the new earth and what's heaven going to be like based on what the scriptures have given to us. It's going to be a, a, a beautiful thing to, to be in the presence of God, to worship the creator of this universe. I don't know if, if any of you guys are tracking the, um, uh, the Hubble telescope. Is it the Hubble? Is it called the Hubble? What's it called? James Webb. That's right. Actually, there was a guy, I got time for this, there was, there, there was a guy in our church, he was actually on the search committee that brought me to the church, and he was a part of, like, a part of that project, incredible. I think he spent like 10 years probably on, yeah. So when you see images of the James Webb telescope, it is spectacular. It's breathtaking. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be like to be in the presence of God? I, I can't even fathom it. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Two are better than one. Say it with me. Two are better than one. So you get more done as a team than you do as an individual. You get more done, right? There's safety. There's support. It's also a whole, lot, a whole lot more fun, right? It's also less tiring because you learn to work together, right? There's all kinds of benefits to, to working together. I heard that at West Point, they have a system that feeds 4,000 cadets in 15 minutes. They do it three times a day. 4,000 cadets in 15 minutes. How in the world do they do that? How do they do that? Everybody has a role with butter. Just wanted to see if you're listening. Everyone has a role. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody plays a part. Someone has said, when God saves you, he gives you an apron. When God saves you, like if, if your life had no purpose, if God had no works for you to do, then like, okay, I'm going to save you and beam you to heaven. But that's not the Christian life. God says, I'm going to save you and then I'm going to use you. I'm going to save you, and I'm putting, you, I'm putting an apron on you. Some of you guys are thinking, I don't want no apron on. Well, guess what? God, put the apron on, right? Put the apron on. Right? Get in the kitchen. Get your hands dirty. That's what ministry is, is all about. You are saved to serve. You are saved to serve. We call that investing in service. That's our discipleship pathway. We want everyone to invest, to serve somewhere, right? So we want you to be a worshiper. We want you to be in community. We want you to serve the world. And we want you to serve the church. God 
decided before you were born, your gifts, your talents, your personality, your experiences, everything that you would go through in life. He's equipped you to do ministry, to bless other people. You know, snowflakes are frail. But if you have enough of them and they stick together, they can stop traffic. Individually, we can't make a big difference in the world. I mean, we can make a difference, but not like a ginormous, right? Individually, you can't make that, that huge, ginormous difference, but together, we can make a huge difference together. Did you know that our, our, our weekend attendance after COVID, we're like a, t- a little over 200. We were like at 300. We lost a lot of people. COVID, COVID was very interesting, right? It was a very interesting time. And there, there was a lot of uh, things, COVID just shook a lot of things up, shook people's priorities. I mean, a lot of people just decided, you know what, we're moving. It's, you know, we're moving. So, but one of the things that, um, th- that I realized in, in the midst of COVID is we are better together, we are stronger together when we're united. When we are focused on the mission, and, and the mission being the gospel, God, God wants us to be that healthy church. It's not about the number. It's about, it's about individuals walking with God, saying, you know what, we're, we're in it together. We're going to serve our community. We're going to serve this city. We're going we're to reach our oikos with the gospel. We're going to be a church founded upon the word. Here's another fill in the blank. Community is God's answer to fatigue. It's, it's God's answer to fatigue. If you're tired, it's probably because you don't have the built-in relationships to support you. So you can do what God has called you to do. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you've ever watched the Amish build a barn together, it's pretty spectacular. Here's what they do. They build a barn in a day. The whole community shows up, and at the end of the day, where there was nothing, now there is something. There's this beautiful barn. How? Everyone has a little part to play. Here's point number three. I need others to watch out for me in life. I need others to watch out for me in life. Philippians 2.4 let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. If you want a countercultural verse, there it is right there, Philippians 2.4. That's countercultural. Because our culture says it's all about me. It's about my needs. It's about my interests. It's about my wants. It's my desires. It's my ambitions. That's not what Philippians 2.4 is telling us. Philippians 2.4 says, no, it's not about you. It's about other people. And the model of Philippians 2 is, the context is about Jesus. I mean, Jesus, he didn't think about himself. He thought about other people. When he came, he thought about other people. When he ministered, he thought about other people. The the multitudes, the crowds were always pressing in on him. They were always wanting, you know, physical resources. They They were wanting healing. They were wanting things from Jesus. They wanted the benefits without really following him. They were were fickle. Is he the Messiah? Is he not? Jesus was always so compassionate about pursuing and healing and loving. And he left heaven, came to earth, became a man, lived among sinners. He experienced rejection and hostility and betrayal. He laid his life down on the cross for his friends. He bore the full weight of the wrath of God. He satisfied the just demands of the law. He gave his life in exchange for your life so that by his great love and by his great sacrifice, we can be forgiven by God. 
We can be accepted by God. This relationship that Adam broke, Jesus, the second greater Adam, has restored. Hebrews 12 says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How did Jesus endure? How did he endure the, the agony, the betrayal, um, the disciples scattering? How did he do it? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? And who is that? Who is that? Based on Hebrews 12, the joy, who for the joy that was set before him, who is the who? It's you and I. Who for the joy? Jesus endured the the pain and the agony of the cross because he had you on his mind. That's how much God loves you. Number four, I need others to wait with me and to weep with me. You know, if we were honest this morning, no one wants to walk through dark valleys alone. Tragedies are going to knock on your door. Crises of life are going to come unannounced. You're going to experience the crushing weight of boulders and sorrows and pain. They're going to come unexpectedly. They're going to come unannounced. And when they drop on your life, Will you have others around you to wait and weep with you? Will you have people there? They're going to be there for you. They're going to, they're going to wait while you receive the bad news. They're going to weep with you when you get the bad news. There are so many situations that nobody should ever go through life alone. When you have to go to the hospital, you shouldn't be alone. When a woman hears back and receives the lab report that there's a problem with the pregnancy, she shouldn't be alone. When you wait for news from the battlefield, you shouldn't be alone. When you stand at the edge of an open grave, you shouldn't be alone. No one should have to wait for bad news to come being all alone. The fact is, some of these things are going to happen there's going to be an illness. There's going, to be, there's going to be a bankruptcy. There's going to be maybe a loss of a job. Maybe a, a marriage goes south. A tragedy, health. Maybe you're going to receive this bad news. Only a fool would go all the way through life totally unprepared for something that you know is inevitably, inevitably going to happen. The time now as believers is to build that safety net, to get that network of supporters and, and to be connected to one another. I heard about a guy who died at home in his bed and no one discovered him for two years. Can you imagine? I mean, how tragic. That guy was not even missed for two years. Can you imagine the despair in that man's heart as he was dying in bed? No one should ever die alone. No one should, should, should ever have to go through that kind of despair. Write this down. Community is God's answer to despair. Answer to despair. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Community groups take this verse and, and they try to live it out. Someone shares a good thing, Right? A promotion, a pregnancy, a celebration, a graduation, right? There's party. There's rejoicing. Somebody's going through a tough time. There's tears and there's, there's weeping with, and there's praying for them. Let me give you a, a tip, a community group tip. Something bad happens in your group. 
someone maybe shares something, maybe a, a tear is shed, that's always a sign to stop and pray. You know, you don't have to fix. Sometimes we, we feel the need, especially as guys, we feel the need to fix someone's problem. But you don't need to fix their problem. You know what they want? They want two things. They want prayer and they want presence. So the next time someone's going through something in life and, and, and you're like, what do I say? What do I say? I don't, I don't even know what to say. You don't even have to say anything. You just pray for them. Because no, no amount of words in that moment is going gonna, is gonna to heal their heart. But you praying for them is going to bolster their faith. It's going to cause them to get their eyes on Jesus. And, then, and you being there, just being present, just being there for them. Here's point number five. I need others to witness with me. You know, we have a life message that God wants us to share with the world. It's part of our mission. The Bible says that God puts you on earth for a mission. It's a co-mission. It's a partnership. You're not doing it alone. You're doing it with God. And so you're, you're on mission with Jesus. God never meant for you to do the mission alone. How do we witness to people who don't know the love of God? Well, we love one another. John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what impresses the community most? Is it the size of the congregation? Is it how big the buildings are? Is it how rocking the, the programming is? You know, is it, is it like the music and, and the fog machine and the light show? Like people think, man, I'm, I'm going to go to a concert Sunday morning. You know, what's, you know what impresses the community most? It's very simple. What impresses people the most, especially people who are not believers in God, they're not followers of Christ, they're impressed when as a church we take Jesus' word and we actually endeavor to live it out. We're going to love one another. And by this, by loving one another, and loving one another includes forgiving one another and being there for one another. See, the world, there's not much love out there. There's a lot of self, there's a lot of selfishness, there's a lot of greed, but there's not a lot of love. And as a church family, if we live this out, let me tell you, it will be a bright light for people as they're looking into your life. It gives you credibility. As they come to our church, they feel, they feel welcomed. They feel, in, they feel accepted. They feel noticed. Have you ever been to a church service where you walk in and no one says anything to you. You go to the church, you leave the church service, and no one says anything to you. I can tell you right now, as, as someone who's experienced that, you, you don't feel the warmth. You don't feel the love. You don't feel connection. You, you, you just feel like you're another warm body showing up. Let's be the church, and this is a challenge for all of us. Let's be the church that God wants us to be. When you see someone you've never met before, go talk to them. Introduce yourself to them. Get to know them. Because this is, this is the body, this is the family that God wants us to be about. Here's the last verse, and I'm done. Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Notice that. There's togetherness. There's unity. They're standing firm. There's a spirit of unity. With one mind striving side by side for what? For the faith of the gospel. So there's like two things here, right? There's, there's deep community. 
But then the church at Philippi is like, listen, man, like we're side by side. We're locked. We're locked to take the gospel to a lost and hurting world. May that mark us here at Summer Point Church. Deep in community and reach out and share the gospel with lost people. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your, uh, your word, God. Lord, help us, to, help us to desire community. Help us to see it as a, a top priority in our lives. Lord, help us to rearrange calendar schedules. Lord, help us to figure out a way to be connected to other believers so that, you know, for the purpose of friendship and spiritual growth and uh, helping one another through life struggles. God, I pray that you would shape and mold us, help us to be the church that, that you desire us to be. God, help us to be faithful to you. God, we love you, God. And we pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts and um, pray that we would seek to want to apply some of these truths in our lives. And we pray this in the sweet name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.